Welcome back to Maps and Graps. Um, if you've been following me on Twitter, you know that I'm very excited about this episode. Uh, I started preparing for this. Well, it feels like for weeks, but started preparing for this intentionally last week. And I have been watching, seriously not, and I'm not just saying this because um, obviously it's the topic of the week, but I've been watching some of the best matches I've ever seen, like hands down. And so hasn't even really felt like work just because it's been so freaking good. But you know what we're talking about today. We're talking about the best of the Super Junior 30 tournament preview. Um, so at the time of this recording, I'm actually up super late because I fell asleep right after Dynamite. And because I couldn't record. I just couldn't record. I needed to decompress. If you sell Dynamite and you saw Kenny Omega and John Moxley in the main event killing it in a steel cage match. And that raggedy, 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 raggedy Don Callis. Um, I just needed to decompress. So I'm up in the middle of the night recording, which is completely normal for me because I'm a bit of a night owl at times. But anyway, I'm back to the point of, yeah, been super excited to record this episode. So at the time of recording, it's... Thursday, which means for me, Best of the Super Junior starts tomorrow. And I'm super excited about it and time to get into it. So I decided to tackle this from the best way that I know how. So like for me personally, obviously, I love New Japan. Um, I love everything about Pierce Wrestling, but I'm still fairly new to it. So Although I've seen plenty of matches from past tournaments and things like that, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't, yeah, this is going to be my first live best of the super junior of just like, you know, intentionally watching every single match as it happens, you know, as they're released. Um, and I'm super excited about it. Like, I feel like this weekend, I'm just like taking up you know, some space to myself to just really enjoy all of the great matches because it is some really great matches. And obviously we're going to get into that later in the episode. But I'm super excited about it. But I decided to start from the beginning. Like, I know that this is going to be the 30th year of the Best of the Super Junior Tournament, which means that there's a lot of history. Um, there's a lot of history um, with this going back to... Um, Technically, the 80s, when the top of the Super Juniors tournament was created, and that was actually for about three years, they did that one. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that began in 1988. Um, but the official best of the Super Junior tournament, as we know it today, um, started in 1994 with the incomparable, the legendary... Um, Jushin Thunder Liger um, beating um, Super Delphin in the finals. So I went back and I, I started there. So I started back with that original best of the Super Junior match in 1994, that original final. And let me say this. I, when I watched the older matches, because there's two particular older matches on here, um, that's the final from the best of the Super Junior one and three. When I watched that as a wrestling fan who was actually born in 1998, so like after some of these matches even occurred, it was like watching so many of my favorite wrestlers wrestle in a way because I could easily go and see like, oh, this is who you were inspired by. Oh, this is where your influence came from. And um, I just think that when you think of a legend, and it's crazy because like just last week, I was just thinking about like just how much of a legend Jushin Thunder Liger is. Um, he actually appeared at the stardom, most recent um, stardom uh, Fukuoka show. And he gave both Mina Shirakawa and um, Natsupoi um, a bouquet of flowers ahead of their incredible match that they ended up having 
And I was just reflecting on just how much of a legend he is. And I remember for me, like the first time I saw a Jushin Thunder Liger match was actually through NXT. And it it was when he got to have that once in a lifetime dream match with Tyler Breeze. And it was awesome. And I feel like that was also a turning point for me in wrestling as well. So it was really cool to intentionally go back and watch some of his matches because like, like no mistake, there is no best of the super junior without Jushin Thunder Liger. Um, he's won this tournament three times. And I think he was just so instrumental and crucial in putting junior heavyweights on the map um, in professional wrestling across the world. And it's just cool to see that. And so like um, the first match, don't get me wrong, it was good, but it wasn't like, oh my gosh, wow, rock my socks off. But the second match that I watched, which was the best of the Super Junior 3 final, um, which was Black Tiger, um, also known as a Guerrero, um, versus Jushin Thunder Liger. And for me, that was when it really got special. I was like, okay, like, this is absolutely insane. I loved this match. And it's and this is also one of those matches extremely foundational I would say for just setting the course for the next generation of wrestlers who are going to watch these guys and I'll say one um, I think it was even cooler because obviously very recently very very recently you know Mercedes at all all-star green queendom just you know got her own black tiger mask made um, with her gear paying homage to Eddie Guerrero's time as Black Tiger. Um, and you, I just saw a lot of similarities there. Um, and, and, you know, it's w easy to hear her talk about how Eddie Guerrero is her favorite wrestler. Um, because it makes sense, right? A lot of her heel tactics, that's where um, so many of those just nuances easily reflect especially if you think of like his time in wwe but i have never personally seen his time in new japan and i think for this phase in her career doing japanese wrestling i think it's just absolutely incredible um now just to just see those similarities even more so like that match was super special super insane and oh, the second thing that I think was so special about that match was that this was 1994. Both of these guys had on masks. And for the most part, their bodies are mostly covered. Very like, you know, even Eddie back then was wearing, um, Black Tiger was wearing the singlet. Faces are fully covered. And these two guys have more charisma in their left pinky than I've seen so many people have. Like, you know, when they're showing everything, showing full, had full opportunities to give facial expressions and all this body language. But no, these two guys, I think that's what makes this match special as well. Is because when you, it was a, don't get me wrong, it was a great match, but then I just had to stop myself like in the middle. And I'm like, they're getting all of us so invested and me watching the match you know what 20 um, 20 oh my god almost 30 years later yeah almost 30 years later um a match that happened before i was even born and i can connect right away with even though these guys don't even have their faces available just because they're just that damn good. Um, and I think there's a reason why these two in two in multiple cultures are so foundational of what it means to be not just a luchador or what it means to be a junior heavyweight wrestler, but just what it means to be a wrestler in general. And absolutely incredible match. And so after that, I decided to move on to more modern matches. And also I want to say I am never going to finish all of them. Well, not, I was never going to finish all of them in like time for this podcast to be recorded. Like if it was up to me, yes, I would go back and watch every single best of the junior 
tournament over again. That's not feasible for anybody. Um, but like I said, we're on number 30. However, um, I decided to pick from a few of the um, best of the Super Juniors that did, uh, that were out. So obviously I went to my good friend Cage Match. I was like, huh, what was one of the best performing ones? Um, I had my own ideas and I was pretty much right about which one would have been the best performing ones. So I decided to analyze um, best of the Super Junior 26, as well as analyze the rivalry between um, Hiromu Takahashi and El Desperado developed across the two final matches of best of the super junior 27 and 29 so for 26 what i ended up doing was i picked a block a matchup a block b matchup and then the final matchup between the final lists so i chose shingo takagi versus dragon lee from block a will osprey versus bandito from block b and then the best of the Super Junior 26 final match between Will Ospreay and Shingo Takaki. So the I I'm not sure I've ever had as much fun or thrill watching three matches back to back as I have with those. But like Shingo versus Dragon Lee was already absolutely incredible. First of all, I will say for me, it's been really cool to get to know that whole junior heavyweight side of both um, Shingo and Will Ospreay's career. Like, I think I said it on Twitter, but I'm not... When I started watching regularly, like, regularly, they were already heavyweights. So, like, obviously, I go back on New Japan World all the time and just watch old matches, but I'm not really as familiar with their junior heavyweight phases, especially as especially for Shingo. Um, but this was insane. Like, I had no idea he was one. Obviously, Shingo's on like a whole different level now. He's one of my all-time faves at this point, but I had no idea he was that great as a junior heavyweight and absolutely insane talent. Then Dragon Lee, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I walked away from that match absolutely breathless. Then moving on to Will Ospreay versus Bandito. Clearly, I never got my breath back. Um, those two guys put together are absolutely insane. Like, you truly saw, like, just across those two matches alone, I can honestly say those are some of the most talented athletic individuals in the world. Great, hard-hitting matches. And what I enjoyed is... I guess for somebody who grew up watching, like, you know, Western wrestling for so long, it's, and I think you only know if you've really seen it, of just whenever you saw, like, a cruiserweight division, light heavyweight division, junior heavyweight division, like, those are typically guys who are seen as small guys who have a lot of speed, have a lot of agility, high flyers, but they were never really marketed as strength guys, you know, as feats of strength that, you know, somebody that's considered a, you know, cruiser slash junior heavyweight could ever be considered as one of the strongest people on the roster. Cause that's just not how, that's just not how, especially American, American television work, um, wrestling, I think was structured for so long. Even think about like the great cruiserweights and WWE history of just like Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio was never going to be marketed as a strength guy, you know, which is fine. I think that you focus on different strengths, but that was just not something that I was growing. I grew up very familiar with. And so to, I guess, see these super strong, hard-hitting junior heavyweight matches that, in my opinion, could fit just as easily in the heavyweight division. And maybe that's why this this super junior um, 26 was so good, because I think that even if I was watching 
live, I would be saying that, oh, all these guys are going to be in somebody's heavyweight scene very soon because they're just that damn good. And the, the versatility they have is absolutely nuts. And obviously that's exactly what happened later on. But I was blown away. And then that final, um, I truly believe that at least until Osprey has at least two more matches with Kenny Omega. And let's pray that they happen because, hello, um, that match at Wrestle Kingdom was too amazing to not be followed up numerous times. But anyway, I think that unless, yeah, he has those, um, you know, multiple more matches with Kenny, Shingo Takagi is by far Will Ospreay's best opponent, greatest opponent. I am, Will Ospreay has a lot of great matches with a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people. A lot of insane matches with a lot of people. A lot of five-star matches with a lot of people. But Shingo, and I think I think this works vice versa as well. Like Shingo has great matches with Okada. Shingo has great matches with these people. A lot of the same people, like you know, a lot of the same standards that we measure. A lot of wrestlers who uh people who just have to be in your resume to be considered one of the greats. And I think that Shingo has that too, but their, their greatest opponents are each other. And me, I've seen mostly all, I've seen all of their heavyweight matches together. So from wrestling to Ontaku, like I've seen all of their heavyweight matches together, have been blown away numerous times by them. But this junior heavyweight match, and insane. Like I saw things happen in this match that I was just, and that's, I was just like, I've never, I, I can't believe that that happened. And that's saying something because I say that in so many of their matches, being a fan of both of them. But yeah, that was when I figured out that, oh, this is not, this is not the type of, you know, cruiserweight tournament that I am used to seeing after years of, you know, American wrestling. Like, this is the height. This is the most, this is the height of professional wrestling, period. And this is levels of craftsmanship and skill and attention to detail um, that I'm not sure that we see very often. And so... Best of the Super Junior 26. And it's crazy that I've had to just like separate out so many different matches because that were from that time that I wanted to watch, but I didn't have enough time to watch before this um, podcast. So trust me, I will be going back and watching them. Like, um, what are two I have written down? Um, specifically, yeah, Robbie Eagles versus Will Ospreay and El Fantasma versus Will Ospreay from that tournament. Obviously, and then going back to the Ricochet and Will Ospreay match, like I wanted to, I wanted to get to all of these, but this was going to quickly become a Will Ospreay um, show, which is, I mean, I mean, it's pretty fine. I think he did this amazing things during his time as a junior heavyweight, and so I don't mind watching Will Ospreay <laughs> matches all day, especially from that time period. But didn't want to offer balance. Um, from different eras and so and I think also this was pre-COVID and I think that that made a huge difference Um, and which is why in the next for the next two matches that I make sure to study like I said are uh, Hiromu Takahashi versus uh, Desperado and they had two final matches together um, both in best of the super junior 27 versus and best of the super junior 29 and I think I think those are those matches are really interesting because you really see Hiromu like 
he is now king. Like, it's very clear, like, in those, he is king of the junior heavyweight division. He is the most dominant, I would say, junior heavyweight since probably a Jushin Liger. And we're watching him defend that title, not just as the, and I'm, I don't mean it as in the IWGP junior heavyweight title. I mean it as in he's defending the mantle as the gatekeeper, the standard, the, you know, the basically being the face of that junior heavyweight division. And he's doing a really great job of it. And, I, you know, El Desperado has his number and continues to chase him. And I will say these two matches out compared to like the final, the 26 final where they were my favorite. No, but I think one, a lot of that has to do with one COVID clap crowd suck. And I think also too, is just, just because something isn't the best thing you've ever seen doesn't mean it wasn't like a fantastic match because I think these two were fantastic matches. For me personally, I would give Best of the Super Junior 27 the edge. And shout out to, I forgot who it was on Twitter because I think I released this list before because I was just going to watch the 29 final. And there was a guy who was just like, hey, watch the 27 final too. It sets up for 29 and it makes sense to like watch them back to back for storytelling purposes. And thanks for that tidbit of information because it 100% made a huge difference. And I think like, oh my gosh, like Desperado, like one, Hiromu tries to tear off the mask. Then Desperado tears off his his own mask and said, anonymity be damned. I want this. And like, it's just those small little nuances in wrestling. And specifically, I was saying Pierce wrestling. It's this, it's that fighting spirit, that Tokan spirit, that refusal to lose, that commitment to winning. And it's just special. That was special seeing it in real time. And like I said, like all of these matches are matches that I would go back and watch again and again and again and again. Um and I really wish that specifically like those last two matches, I wish that they were in much better um, environments as far as, you know, like COVID and crowds um, like that. But those are amazing. And so I will say like, I'm really glad that I watched, you know, the different, oh, I'm glad I watched all these different matches um, to really kind of get my blood pumping in anticipation for this year's tournament I think that and I'm glad that I watched and that's another reason I'm glad that I watched um 26 is because I think best of the super juniors 26 is the last time that a best of the junior super junior had such a strong um foreigner presence um of just being able to invite a lot of people in to Japan, have borders be open and just have like such a large variety of competition. And it hasn't been as much like that in recent years, obviously due to COVID. So I feel like best of the super junior 30 is going to resemble that spirit a lot more because there's just so much talent coming from literally all over the world and super exciting. And I thought, I think that you know, I'm glad that I watched all of these and, you know, in anticipation for what we might see. So moving on, now that we have all of this great backlog of information about what this tournament means from a match standpoint and the type of, type of competition that is both encouraged and expected, I feel like we can officially move into the actual lineup for this year, which is insane. Um, for a block this year, we have Kushida, Ruske, um, Taguchi, Leah Rush, Duki, Hiromu Takahashi, Tatan, TJP, Taiji Ishimori, Sho, 
Speedball Mike Bailey is in Best of the Super Junior. Hello. We have El Desperado. Oh, for B-Block, my fault. Moving on to B-Block, we have El Desperado. Yo, May Master Wado, Kevin Knight, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Bushi, Robbie Eagles, Francesco Akira, Dan Milani, and Clark Kerners. This is some super exciting stuff. Like, I think I screamed. I did scream. Yeah, I did scream. <laughs> While watching Wrestling Duntaku and all this information came out on screen. Um, this is super exciting. And I, I'm excited because, one, I think that New Japan has been on a killer run in 2023. I think that they have done such a great job of, you know, keeping pre-established stars feeling like stars while uplifting their new talent, while, you know, positioning their graduated young lions back from excursion in a, you know, in a position to succeed. I think that the relationships that they've been forging with promotions around the world have been working out for them. Most importantly, Impact, AEW, um, NOAA, and All Japan Pro Wrestling. They have that all together again show coming up. They've been really doing a lot of strategic cool stuff. And I think it shows. And I mean, New Japan right now is killing it. Like one, they've had amazing pay-per-views all year long like the match quality has been insane they've established a new and successful women's division and i think like the feeling is bad i don't know like i think it's also i hate to sound like one of those gen z people and be like well they just got a, a good vibe but i think that they do i think that they do and i think that, that is just so important in wrestling right now. I feel like there's so many exciting, cool things that are happening. And I think that fans just want to know that uh, a promotion is dedicated to one, doing what makes sense, and two, like actually sending people home happy and giving them what they want. And I feel like New Japan is definitely in that spirit right now. And because some of the matches that like we've gotten to see this year versus both on American soil, Japanese soil, hell, even Australian soil. I think like somebody corrected me um, um, on Twitter, you know, I think it was like a week and a half ago, just cause I was talking about how well Japan is like performing on two different continents right now, two different places. Like, Nope, don't forget about Australia. And that's completely right. Um, there's insane amount of great work that's being done there. Like while I was actually at the Capital Collision show in DC, there was a show happening in Australia. Um, and you can even see that influence in this particular tournament this year. The Aussies are taking over. You love to see it. And also speaking of another demographic, there are two black men in this tournament this year, which is absolutely incredible. That's super special to me. Um, I think not just because I'm black, but I think it's also just because wrestling is looking, is starting to look more and more like I feel like it's supposed to look. And I mean that in the sense of a diverse melt, melting pot full of people of all different races, all different you know nationalities coming from all different types of countries, continents, um, language barriers, things like that. And I feel like we're more connected now than we've ever been. Um, and it's awesome. And I'm really excited, obviously, to see Black men, um, Black people in general in Japan, like carving away from themselves. Um, because, you know, can't talk about Black people in Japan without talking about Mercedes and the incredible work that she's done this year. And I think just changing the game for a lot of people. But Leo Rush and Kevin Knight have both been doing incredible things all year long. And honestly, since their entire time in New Japan. And so 
I'm going to get into who I think that this year is going to be a breakout star. So I think that all of these guys have a legitimate a legitimate argument for, you know, potentially wait, um, winning their block. I think that the talent is more stacked than it's been in a while. I am just going to share my personal opinions of who I think is going to be a show stealer. Um, and going for first with a block first, obviously I think Leo Rush. Um, if you've watched any of his matches, <laughs> I don't think I like, I, I think it's self-explanatory. Like, I have never really seen, well, I can't say I've never really seen, but I think that there are very few people in wrestling where it becomes so immediate, clear, immediately clear that they are finally where they're supposed to be. I think Athena with Ring of Honor is one of them. And I think that Leo Rush with New Japan is probably one of the other best examples right now. I wasn't honestly familiar with Leo Rush before New Japan. Like I would hear what things people would say about him of just like, oh yeah, he used to be in this organization. He used to be in this organization. Like he retires a lot. I didn't know any of that. All I know from this man that I've seen up close, like I've actually like going out of my way to watch the matches. All that I've seen from this man is New Japan. And he's not disappointed yet one time. I think that he's the future. I think that, and I'm going to talk about, I don't want to get too far into matches because I'm obviously going to get into matches later. But if you've seen any of his work in New Japan, I think that, you know, he's about to be a huge difference maker in this tournament. Another breakout star in the A-block, I think it's hard to call him a breakout star, but I think that it's just as valid Like to talk about him. He's going to be one of the stars of the tournament, especially with the run he's on right now, that is Hiromu Takahashi. Um, he's been, like like I said, I'm not as familiar with his previous runs with this belt, but I can't speak for this one. Every single defense has been incredible. He's been functioning on a whole different level, a different type of hunger, passion. Like He's been very serious about trying to get the 12 defenses and even <laughs> challenging Zanata the actual heavyweight championship champion trying to hold both junior heavyweight and the championship at the same time. It's Hiromu. He's amazing. And I think that, I don't know, like I really do wonder if there is anything left for him in the junior heavyweight space, but, and I think, I think, well, I don't didn't mean to say but because I think that he probably feels that way in a lot of ways too. However, he is committed to creating new challenges for himself. And I think that's what I admire about him. And also, I look at it like this. Maybe it actually is nothing left for him to do in the junior heavyweight space. What would be a better way to go out to go out than go out with a bang? <laughs> you know, like if, th if this is his last best of the super juniors, like I know that he's going to be committed to making it a good one. And the other, well, I, I don't want to, I think it just depends. I don't, I had two more, but maybe it's just one uh, for breakout stars of A block. And the reason why I say maybe it's just one is because I do think that Kushida is going to have a great, great run. But I'm also interested to see, like, how much match time um, Kushida gets. Because, obviously, like, I don't realistically think he's going to win it all, especially since he just got the junior heavyweight belts, tag belts with Kevin Knight. Um, but one thing I, I've noticed about, especially Kushida in 2023, like, he's been turning up when the lights are the brightest. So, you know what? Hey, I'm going to throw him in there. I think that Kushida is going to shock a lot of people during this tournament. And obviously, last but certainly not least, Speedball Mike Bailey. Um, the fact that Speedball isn't going to be in Japan for best of super juniors is crazy. And I think that we're all going to be losing our minds. I think it's going to be beautiful. Um, I think that 
like I said, this is another one of those instances where New Japan's partnerships with everybody continues to pay dividends. Um, and that partnership with Impact Wrestling is definitely one of those moments. Moving on to B Block, I think, I think for the same reasons as like um, Hiromu Takahashi, I'm going to pick El Desperado as one of the breakout people because I, I think obviously this is a guy that always shows up, especially in Best of Super Juniors when the lights are the brightest. And so I think that he's going to have an amazing tournament run. Do I think he's going to win? Absolutely not. Um, but I think it's going to be a great tournament run. I think Kevin Knight, just like Kushida, but also, but not just like Kushida in the sense of like Kevin Knight is so much younger and, and, you know, he hasn't been around the block in these type of tournaments. So I'm excited to see what he can do as a singles wrestler. Do I expect him to win? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, like they just got those tag boats, but as a graduate of the dojo, I'm excited to see where he goes in this tournament. And I think he's going to make have some really memorable performances. Super excited. Um, a guy who died, I'm not sure will be like a breakout star, but I think that is going to be so solid throughout the tournament. Yoshinobu, uh, Uncle Nobu. He's been on one this year. I think, I feel like um, just five guys has given everybody involved a, such a pep in their step. And it's very obvious and it's really cute. And Uncle Nobu been cooking. Um, his match with Hiromu was really good. And so I think he's going to give all the young and tail. I don't know. Um, and next, I will say, I think that B Block is definitely more foreigner heavy by a landslide. And I think that foreigners have a chip on their shoulder this um during this tournament just because of you know how long it's been since so many of them were able to participate and so my next breakout stars are all foreigners the next one robbie eagles robbie eagles has been on fire ever since yeah ever since zach saber jr announced that he was haramu's next opponent and he's joined tmdk i feel like he's just been attached to a rocket. One, that match, oh my God, amazing. And two, um, some of the other matches he's continued to have have been amazing, i.e. Um, the match that he had on Ring of Honor with Claudio Castagnoli was really, really good. I think that Robbie's going to go a very long way. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that later. But... Um, he's going to be one of the breakout stars. Uh, up next, Dan Maloney. So I saw Dan Maloney the first for the first time actually in March in Revolution Pro Wrestling. And I was like, this guy is really good. Like, is he not signed anywhere? Like, he's awesome. He's been killing it on the UK wrestling scene. And um, for those of you who are familiar with Rev Pro recently at the Revolution Rumble, um, obviously Osprey was injured, so Dan Maloney had to face, um, Francesco Akira instead, great match, and he was formally invited to be a member of the United Empire, and so Dan Maloney, this is his first appearance, um, in the, in the, in the Best of Super Juniors as a member of the United Empire, and, this guy, he has a lot of heart, and uh, he wrestles with a chip on his shoulder already, and I just know that he's going to bring all of it for his matches for Best of the Super Juniors. Do I expect him to win? Absolutely not. But I think that he is going to make a name for himself um, for people who aren't familiar with him, and I'm very excited to see. And last but not least, I think Breakout Stars, I think this one is pretty um, self-explanatory, but Clark Connors. Um, if you watch that amazing, amazing, amazing video package and, and that short film, that cinema um, that they put together 
of Clark Connors riding out into the middle of nowhere to burn all his L.A. Dojo stuff and becoming 100 proof Clark Connors. You know, he's always been a favorite of mine. And I will say the move to Bullet Club, becoming a heel, it's been really good for him. And I'm excited to see him finally, like, you know, just take the, take, take, you know, take all the, anything that has been holding him back. Like, I'm excited to see him take it all off. Like, I'm excited for him to t- take the handcuffs off. And I think, not handcuffs as in is like, oh, yeah, somebody else's control of his character. and th- Not like that. I think it's more so just been lacking direction since leaving the L.A. Dojo and lacking a sense of identity outside of the L.A. Dojo. And I feel like he's ready to fly. And same thing with Kevin Knight. Same thing with, like, the other graduates of the L.A. Dojo. I think he's ready to fly. And I think he has a very great direction of where he's going to go. And I'm super excited. So... Moving into matches, I think that I have a foolproof way of tackling this. So there are going to be, is it five or six? One, two, three, four, five, six, six, seven. Seven nights of initial matches. So the way that I broke it down is by picking three matchups and um, per at least three that I think are going to be the best matches of the night that I predict to be the best match of the night. I'll also say I'm not married to any of these. Like I want, I think the purpose of this tournament is that yes, I want to be proved right, but I also want to be proved wrong. So I want obviously all the matches that I expect to be bangers to be bangers, but I want all the other ones to surprise me. I want, I want the other ones to force their way onto my list um, so I'm super excited about it. Getting into opening night, which is um, May 12th, we have Hiromu versus Speedball on night one, which I think is going to be, it's going to shut it down. It's going to be an event. It's going to be incredible. Um, we're all going to cry and it's going to be great. <laughs> um, I think this match is a dream match for numerous reasons. And I think, once I said, once again, partnership. New Japan has been playing their role very, very well. Very, very well. Next, um, Yo and Robbie Eagles. I don't think they're going to get a lot of time on that match. I think that match is going to be more of a sprint. But I think it's going to be really good. And so I am looking forward to that one from night one. And lastly, I think Kevin Knight and Clark Connors, um, they have history, obviously, basically being Razor's brothers in the L.A. Dojo. And they're on two completely separate paths now. Like, I think Kevin Knight and that drop, that perfect drop kick of his is on such a, you know, this baby phase path journey. He's tagging with you know, Kushida, they're the intergalactic jet setters, like, very different aura, obviously, he's killing in the ring, but very different aura, than, you know, Clark Connors has gone completely evil, denounced, basically, the LA Dojo, he's Bullet Club now, and he's 100, 100 proof Clark Connors, um, I even saw a tweet exchange between them, and, like, you know, Kevin Knight telling Clark how you changed, and I'm going to have to hold you accountable. And I can't wait. That's my type of carrying on. I just can't wait. Right. Moving on into night two, May 13th. Um, my top three matches that I think are going to steal the show are Robbie Eagles and Clark Connors. These two. Uh, I I am very confident <laughs> that that match is going to bang. Very, very confident that the match is going to bang um, for numerous reasons. I think that these two put together are honestly, I'm not sure if we can handle it, but I'm excited to find out. <laughs> um, I think Uncle Nobu versus Dan Maloney is going to 
going to be really good. I think that Uncle Nobu is going to give Dan Maloney a real welcome to Japan, just five guys type of welcome. And I hope he doesn't underestimate Dan Maloney because obviously he's really great and really efficient. And he just has this killer work ethic. Um, so I'm excited to see how much time they get. But I know it's going to be a great match. And also Kushida versus TJP. Um, there's a story there. There's an existing story there. Because, you know, TJP and Francisco Akira are the people that um, Kushida and Kevin Knight defeated to become the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. So there's a story there. Clearly, still salty. they're still salty about that. So I think that this match is going to be a fairly good grudge match. Now for night three. This is where we, it's time to get funky. Um, there's a huge distance between my excitement levels between that first match on this list and then the second match. So like I said, in the second and third match. So I'm going to say the second and third ones first. I think Robbie Eagles versus Francisco Akira is going to be great. Obviously, TMDK and uh, and United Empire have been having their little snafus going on recently. So I think that there's you know there's a pre-existing story here. There's a grudge match. Both guys are killer athletes. I think this one's going to be good. And also Kevin Knight and Uncle Nobu, um, think that they're going to have a pretty good match. Um, they're they're opposites, but I think the opposites will attract this in this matter. I don't know. But the match that I know for a fact is going to be money and the one that I am anticipating and sitting on the edge of my seat for and ready for at literally any given moment in time is Leo Rush versus Hiromu Takahashi round two. That first match. My God. That match made me believe in junior heavyweight wrestling again. Like, it made me fall in love with it again. And just understanding that these guys can do things that some of our faves just can't do. And it's because of, like, you know, their agility, their speed. And it's crazy. It's just... That match was... That was the match for me that I was like, oh, Leah Rush was made to be here. He was born for this. Like he was born to be in New Japan. This is his spot. This is where he thrives. He fits like a glove. And I think that for me, again, I think that that was the turning point for Hiromu of a, of realizing that oh, I can really do something different with this reign. Like I think that I can really step things up to a whole nother level. And that's what he did. Um, to my knowledge, not to my knowledge, but um, in my opinion, I think that this has been Hiromu's best title defense. He's had some other great ones. Don't get me wrong. He's had some other great ones. Um, the And the only other match that I would rank maybe around, that is when he um, faced Robbie Eagles. That Robbie Eagles match was really good. But no, like that Leo Rush match was like out the park like that's ranked as and it's a, a match of the year candidate for me and so i'm excited i think that that the round two is going to be even better hope it main events moving into night four also known as may 19th um i think the three matches i kind of have i would say even excitement for these i think that they're going to definitely push my limits because I think that there's a lot of potential here. I'm just ex interested about the execution just based off how much time these matches end up getting. But Leah Rush and Kushida, um, if I'm not mistaken, I, yeah, I've seen them wrestle each other earlier this year and it was good. Um, but it was in America and I'm interested to see how it looks in a, how a match between those two works in a new Japan ring. And so I think that there's a lot of potential for that one to be really good. I also think that El Desperado versus Dan Maloney. On paper, these two guys probably have no reason to be in the ring with each other. 
I like stuff like that. Like I think that these two are going to push each other, and I I think that that's going to be one of the most weirdest bank breakout matches of the tournament that a lot of people weren't expecting. But like I said, foreigners have a chip on their shoulder this year. They feel like they have something to prove. They do uh, um, in a lot of ways, but I feel like it's it's all great pressure. Um, and the last one from that match, from that night, is going to be Kevin Knight versus Robbie Eagles. Um, can't go wrong with these two. And I think, like, Kevin Knight, Kevin Knight does not have a long time in the Super Junior, and uh, best of Super Junior. I wouldn't be surprised if, I'm, I'm not going to say this year is going to be his last one, but I think that he's not going to be in the junior heavyweight um, space for very long. Like he's continuing to gain more muscle. He can really mix it up with just about anybody. But I think that while he is in this junior heavyweight space, I think we're going to see him do some things that we haven't really seen a guy like him ever do before. And I think Robbie Eagles brings out the best in all of his opponents. He is a technical wrestler as technical as they come. And I feel like every single wrestler that I've seen get in the ring with him this year, whether they're super experienced, whether they're not, I feel like every wrestler goes into a match with Robbie Eagles coming out of it better than they were before. Um, and I think that this is going to be a great opportunity for Kevin Knight. Um, just because, you know, he is still so young in his professional wrestling career. And, like, the, the sky is the limit for him. And so I think Robbie Eagles is just the perfect opponent. Get that out of him. Get the best out of him. Moving on to night five. Um, 521, which is um, obviously May 21st. We have... Robbie Eagles versus Dan Maloney. I think for a lot of the same reasons that I was talking about for Kevin Knight, how Robbie Eagles makes all his opponents better. And I think with Dan Maloney really being new to Japan and like new to, to new Japan space, I think that he's going to need heat more than anybody. I think that he's one of the foreigners with the largest chip on his shoulder. Cause I think he's going to have to prove himself. Like, you know, like, Speedball is great, but we know he's good, right? Like, he's he has a contract somewhere. Like, he's not trying to get signed anywhere. Like, you know, we know Speedball is incredible. Same thing, like, Robbie Eagles, we know how incredible he is. You know, Clark Connors and Kevin Knight, like, yes, are they hungry? But, you know, they're already signed. Like, you know, they're, they, they came up through the dojo system, so there's a certain level of loyalty that they'll always receive because of that. But Dan Maloney, although in United Empire, he's still very, very – you know, new. And a lot of people aren't even aware of him. And so he has a lot to prove. And like I said, there's nothing quite like a, a Robin Eagles match to help get your point across. Next, um, Hiromu and Ishimori. I'm interested. I'm just interested in this match. Like, I'm interested to see what they give. Um, I'm interested to see what the vibes are. Like, you know, I feel like these are two good talents. Um, I feel like this this is a more so of a classic. You can get this best of the Super Junior match on any random year with COVID, without COVID. Like, you know, just because these are two, like, Japan guys. And so I'm, I'm always very interested to see how opponents who see each other on a regular basis manage to make each match feel different when they compete again. I feel like this is one of those situations. And um, I'm typically never disappointed with New Japan when things like that happen um, because the talent works just literally in overdrive to make everything feel different um, and everything feel new. Uh, and I also think that Leo Rush versus TJP is going to be a good match. Um, I'm excited. Um, I've, I've, I've put a lot of pressure <laughs> on Leo Rush this tournament, um, as you can see from these match predictions, but predictions, but I genuinely believe that he has it all to win it all. And so 
And I believe that his performance is going to be incredible. And I think that TJP is still one of those wrestlers that, you know, when the time is right, he's going to show up and show out. And so interested to see him work, him and Francesco um, Akira. Excited to see what both of them accomplish as singles wrestlers in this tournament. Um, night six, I only have one. And I think it speaks for itself on May 23rd, but Leo Rush versus Speedball. Well, that's going to be a doozy. Um, it doesn't get more self-explanatory than that. Um, those are two of the best talents in the world right now. And I don't say that lightly, um, especially in their weight class. Those are two of the best of the best in the world right now. Um, the fact that we're getting this match is insane. And Japan is insane. I think that's also been like the thing of like, I just, I was just sat here as I prepared for this. And I'm just like, the stuff that we're getting these days for multiple wrestling promotions, it's just insane. And I'm just so happy. Like, I'm just so happy to be a fan during this time. I know like this is completely like off, off topic, but if you're not a wrestling fan right now, like, and, and I, I'm not even going to say that. Like, if you are a wrestling fan and you only watch one promotion, like, I'm sure you have a great time with it. I'm sure. And that, and that goes for anybody, like, whether you just watch AEW or you just watch WWE or you just watch Insert Place here, I'm sure you're having a great time, <laughs> whatever. But I don't know. Like, I feel like you're really missing out if you're not tapping into all of the great things that are happening right now all over the world. And I genuinely mean like all over the world, like Japanese promotions specifically, they got hit by the pandemic so much harder. I want to say so much harder than America simply because like there weren't a lot of opportunities. And then like Japan just now, Oh, you know, re like, you know, revoke the ban on cheering like they just revoked that this year <laughs> so while america said yeah we're not dealing with the pandemic effects anymore like we're gonna make this money japan wasn't like that and i think like you know the product suffered for a long time and like obviously tennis suffered and so many things suffered and also the ability to bring in so many ta talent from all these great partnerships and that was deeply affected. But look at us now. Who would have thunk? Now everybody wants to go to Japan. You got Mox coming back. Um, one in Long Beach for resurgence and teaming up with his kids, uh, i.e. Will or Yuta and Shota Umino. And then you got him coming back at Dominion, which is going to be insane. Um, and I feel like just so many people, New Japan is able to flex a lot of their muscle now. And I'm just really proud. I'm just really proud. I'm really excited to be a fan now. But anyway, going back to the last standard match is um, the matches I pick. I picked two for last night of the tournament. Well, last um, night of the original matchups. And that's May 24th. I think El Desperado versus Robert Eagles is going to bang. I don't know a better way to say that. Um it's 4 a.m. and I'm getting delirious. <laughs> but I think also Dan Maloney and Clark Connors, I think that this is going to be a really great match. Like, I think it's going to be a great match because you know what I was saying earlier about Dan Maloney having a lot to prove. And I feel like Clark Connors also has a lot to prove. And obviously, you know, David Finley has been talking about, I need savages only. I need real killers only. Like, I think obviously Clark Connors had a, great performance on at collision in Philadelphia, but we we're still awaiting that dominant, hungry, gritty performance in Japan in a singles match for him. And so I'm excited. I think we're going to see it during this tournament. And I think who better to start with than somebody like Dan Maloney, because he has a chip on his shoulder and I think these two guys will beat the hell out of each other. Um, I think that would be a very physical matchup, and I can't wait. 
So those are all the match predictions for the first night. Well, the first basic basic rounds of the tournament, all the basic A block and B block matchups. So we can get to what I'm sure you're all been waiting for is the final. And so I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be completely honest. I cheated, guys. And when I say I cheated, I mean that I couldn't pick. I I could not pick um, just one block B winner. So I picked two. I had two choices. So for block B, I said either Clark Connors or Robbie Eagles. The reason why I said this and I can't pick between the two is because I feel like I have been what I have been watching New Japan like a hawk this year. All the little nuances, all of the vignettes, all of the backstage comment, anything, anything they release. And it's very clear that I think that they're trying to, one, rebuild a lot of their factions and make them a lot stronger. And I think that two of those factions that have been most visibly changed and most visibly, quote-unquote, upgraded this year are Bullet Club and TMDK. And I think that each, each, um, both factions need to establish a very dominant, strong junior to be lieutenant for their extremely strong dominant heavyweight with you know obviously bullet club has david finley and obviously tmdk has zach saber jr both are holding championship gold right now and so i think that both guys are trying to just assert themselves as like the most powerful junior right now and i think that yeah, one of them are going to be the winners. If you ask me, like, who am I leaning towards? Probably Clark Connors. And, but I think it's just, I'm just interested to see how aggressive he gets during this tournament. And like I said, I'm happy with either option. Um, and honestly, I think there's more people on here that they might not be my prediction, but I would be perfectly fine if they won just because I think that just the competition is just so steep this year. And I think that it's just great for fans. Um, as a whole. So I think that Block B, I'm going with Clark Connors or Robbie Eagles. You might call me a cheater for that. Oh, well. Block A, if it wasn't obvious, I think Leo Rush is going to take it all home. Um, I, I don't, I don't see another way. I just don't see another way. I think that he's been having not just, I, I think a lot of people have great performances, but he's been having S tier performances and I think with that match that he put on with Hiromu I would love I feel like I need to see that rematch on a much larger stage on a much bigger stage and yeah um and so that would if if Leah Rush wins the entire tournament then when he eventually challenges Hiromu that'll be match three between them and I think it's going to be incredible so yeah, that's where I stand. That's where I stand. I I am going to go out on the letter. You know, I'm feeling one. I'm feeling lucky. Um, like I said, we have two black men in the tournament, and so yeah, I think that Leo Rush is going to take it all, but not obviously not for that reason. I think it's just because he's been on a completely different level, and I think that every investment that New Japan has made in him is completely paying off and I think that he's just I think it's his time I think it's his time and I think that also I think it's risky especially for me to say that we're going to get a completely foreigner final I understand that that sounds completely crazy but I think that New Japan has one been moving into a direction of being a lot more accepting of you know just the great time that's out there and I think that even though 
these are foreigners. These are very loyal New Japan talents, especially when you have a guy like Clark Connors who actually did come through the dojo system. And so I do think that things like that make a difference. Like I said, I could be wrong. Who knows? Hiromu could win it all <laughs> over again this year. Now, I don't want that to happen. Love him, but I don't want that to happen. I really don't. Um, I, I think that we should be... One thing I've loved about New Japan this year is that a lot of new people have been getting new great opportunities this year, and I want to keep that going, especially in the junior heavyweight division. Like I said, Hiromu has nothing left to prove. Um, I think he's going to have amazing matches throughout the tournament, but I don't think he needs to win. So, yeah, that's my preview for um, the Best of the Super Juniors. I'm so excited. Um, and it's only because I'm so excited that I, I literally got up in the middle of the night to record after my post-dynamite compression nap that wasn't even supposed to happen. I completely missed AEW All Access. I need to go back and rewatch it now. Um, but I'm just so excited for Best of the Super Juniors. Like, I just feel in such a... It's such a peaceful place with wrestling right now. I'm very happy. Um, and I don't say I'm not a, a person that gets to say that often. Um, this was not, this has always been a part of my life, but it's now one of the more dominant parts of my life because, you know, I'm actually pursuing so many of dreams that I've had for such a long time. And I think I'll probably do like a and a episode of like, you know, for people who are actually interested in like, getting to know me and like all the things that I've done in past lives because I feel like I've lived like 14 million lives. Um, but yeah, I've been, been enjoying this complete career change for me. Um, I've been really enjoying it and I've enjoyed all the great wrestling, great things I get to watch. So, uh, and study and talk about, um, I'm super excited for a lot of the great things that are coming, um, on this show. Um, thank you to everybody who tuned in to last week's episode with Jada Stone. That was super important to me. Um, one, we're from the same hometown. And two, um, I just want this, I've always been very adamant. I want this to be a diverse space, um, to uplift diverse voices and talk about diverse topics, uh, happening all over this diverse wrestling world. Um, so whether that's Japanese wrestling, whether that's indie wrestlers from South Carolina, uh, Indie black women wrestlers from South Carolina. We're going to do all of it here. And I'm excited to just be able to be a vessel um, to open up that space. And so super exciting things are coming. Um, I was look, planning out the content calendar yesterday um, and thinking about even just some of the ideas that I'm working on for the All Together Again show. Um, so the New Japan, Noah, All Japan Pro Wrestling show that's happening um, in June. And so I'm excited. I will talk to you all again next week. Same time, same place. Um, but if you want to get in contact with me before then and chat or let me know how you enjoyed um, this preview episode. And if you have any questions or if you just want to live tweet alongside me, during Best of the Super Juniors, because yes, I will be awake for just about all of it. Um, you can always find me on Twitter at Lyric Wrestling and on Instagram at Lyric Swinton. So until the next time, bye.